1: Welcome to the Eleven Personnel Podcast, your favorite Rams podcast. I'm your host Jordan Rodrigue, and with me, as always, my fabulous co-host Rich Hammond. Rich, how are we doing?
2: Doing well, Jordan. And let me tell you how excited I am for Rams fans. Not only because they get to listen to us right now, which is always a pleasure, We're back. right?
0: Yay! Yes, <laughs> uh,
2: but so much good news, Jordan, coming down the pike here just over the last. A couple days or even a couple hours here as we record on Tuesday afternoon. Uh, Rams announcing that SoFi Stadium be at full capacity for the 2021 season. So excited for Rams fans to be able to see that stadium. I know some people have been in there already to check out where their season tickets are. And also coming up in just a couple of weeks here, they're going to do an open practice, I, I think largely for season ticket holders, but maybe uh, some tickets will get out there for, for other fans also to come in and, and actually watch uh, the Rams. I, I take it for granted, Jordan, we were so fortunate to be able to watch some of those games last year, but uh, a lot, most everybody not been able to watch any live football at all since the end of 2019. So what a joyous uh, experience that will be and Jordan, you, ha- since we last talked, have been on the road. Yeah, and you got to have a very very uh, special experience at the QB Collective. So tell people a little bit about that if they don't already know what it is, and uh, share a, a little bit with us uh, about what you were uh, what you're able to do there.
1: Yeah, I mean it was amazing, and also real quick too, Rich. I mean, the, I was even thinking in the short term too. The Announcements from the league today about the implications for training camp. I mean, I have to think. I have to think because um, fans fans will be able to attend training camps and obviously teams will run things in, in different ways, but I know that the Rams will be very excited to welcome fans into training camp. New quarterback, uh, wanting to like build the hype train, Super Bowl in Los Angeles, You know, really wanting to get and seize that opportunity um, to do that in front of fans. New uniforms coming perhaps? Oh, of course. I of know course. you're excited about that one, Rich. So I, I think that – it's it's going to be um, really really cool to see people and to be around people and of course to do so safely is just a, a really cool thing um, and I'm I'm really excited to finally like meet people and <laughs> and uh, yeah
2: let and, me tell you great but before we not to step on you there but that it, that those training camp experiences so cool and and in those years there twenty. 16 through 18 you know so cool to, to to meet those fans and to just be around i don't know whether they'll be back in irvine uh, i think being down in orange county there was important to the rams to to you know for those to build up those relationships with those fans in that area of Southern California. So I wouldn't be surprised if they're back there. What a neat environment that was. They could get like five, 6,000 people uh, uh, down there to, to watch those practices. And it really kind of felt like a mini game atmosphere. So I hope, uh, Jordan, I hope you get to experience that. But uh, definitely t- tell us more. I want to hear about the QB Collective.
1: Yeah, okay. So for those who don't know, the Quarterback Collective is a quarterback training program. Um, there, there are a lot of them out there across the country run by various coaches or, um, different trainers and specialists. And what this one was, was, uh, at Lucas oil stadium in Indianapolis. So again, this is my first time on the road (laughs) since I moved to California. So this was really, really (laughs) exciting for me. And, um, you know, the, the second I got my, my second Pfizer shot, I was like, all right, it's on now guys, I'm going out there somewhere. (laughs) So, uh, I, I got invited to this event in Indianapolis. And basically it's a collection of invited, uh, premier quarterback talent from, you know, young, you know, the eighth grade all the way up to, you know, 10th and 11th grade invited, uh, as a part of a showcase, but also it's a, it's a skills camp. And the, the unique thing about this, that was really the, the reason that I went and wanted to go behind the scenes on on what this was, was this event also has coaches from all over the country that are NFL coaches. They, they have the regular staff of quarterback collective coaches who are quarterback coaches, but they also bring in NFL staff and NFL assistants and offensive coordinators and even defensive coordinators and defensive coaches and assistants from all across the league. And the really, interesting thing, and you guys will now see why I was there in just a moment. Um, This particular event pulls directly from the shanahan McVeigh coaching tree. So the coaches who are present are from these various staffs across the league that are running the Kyle Shanahan, Mike Shanahan, Sean McVay, Matt LaFleur offense. And so that was the most perhaps one of the most invaluable experiences in football that I have ever had because the access that we were granted there was such that we got to sit in the film rooms of these guys when they were teaching these young quarterbacks um, about these offensive systems and about technique and about all of the different details and, and vision that they need to use to see the field all the way up to there was um, a couple of um, personnel people there that are high ranking in in various teams. And um, you know, a lot of the things that we saw and did were on background and off the record. So um, I'm not going to get too crazy into detail yet, although I'm very excited mm-hmm to have several stories coming out of this event in the next couple of months. So you guys keep your eyes peeled for that. Cause I have not felt this alive in years. <laughs> so I'm just really excited. But um, a lot of the, the things that we also did was um, you know, how, how quarterbacks are evaluated by various staffs and how GMs, enter into prospect evaluation meetings with the prospect from everything to how they draw plays on the on the whiteboard to how they communicate with teammates, um what what GMs are are looking for specifically and scouts are looking for in this evaluation process, and all the way down to breaking down film film with a couple of very prominent offensive coordinators in this uh, sort of Shanahan McVay system. And then looking at it, switching then then the next day into looking at everything from a defensive perspective and, and guys from the Vic Fangio, Brandon Staley system being present as well and working directly with those guys to talk about um, what their defenses are seeing and how to see the field as a complete coach versus just a pigeonholed into a defensive coach sort of stereotype and what coaches are doing to broaden their skills in that regard. And so the really interesting part of this event uh from a selfish perspective was uh holy shit, I get to listen to you guys talk <laughs> and right. you're and you're letting me listen to everything you're saying. But the other part of it, and and of course built on a lot of that's built on trust and, and whatnot. But then the other part of it that was just incredible to me was how this event also acted as an incubator of sorts between these offensive and defensive coaches, between these two prominent coaching trees that compete and battle like some epic battles with each other, you know, right down to even the way that Brandon Staley's defense worked against Sean McVay's offense in training camp. Um, Mm -hmm. and the, the stories that came out of that. So these epic battles from these, um, these, these different trees and all of the concepts that are, I think, a very huge part of the modern iteration of the league and the way the league is evolving, not just the modern iteration of this offense um, and all of the little branches that are stemming off of that, but also the modern iterations of the defense that is the best, perhaps one of the best suited to counter that offense and, and how those types of things are, are cross-pollinating and staffs are exchanging ideas and, and defensive coordinators. And it's, it's interesting because they, when you say exchanging ideas, like, of course, they're not Telling them their secrets or anything like that, but in terms of how to put pressure on different positions and how to uh, not just see things from the quarterback perspective, but also to on the on the opposite perspective, how certain people and certain schemes um put pressure and stress on the quarterback and all of these different ideas and and concepts that are now starting to um you know they they need each other because they need each other's ideas in order to keep evolving and keep getting better but mm. they also need to beat each other so the dynamic and being a fly on the wall for that entire weekend of what that dynamic is um i mean i'm like i i'm at some point I will find the words and then I'll write them down. But it's really, I, I was, I'm so grateful to have been able to, um, it was one of the coolest things I've ever done in my entire, uh, career and probably my life. And like, it was just, I'm so, uh, full to the brim of happiness. Cause I just got to sit there and listen to just nonstop, constant philosoph philosophical football, schematic football, um, granular football ideas Comp- competition, uh, you know, and, and all of the little things that happen and the conversations that happen behind the scenes, um, and it's then you know, now I have to try to now I have to try to write about it. So good, good luck <laughs> to me. But if Rams fans are wondering, there was a, uh, about a week and a half where I was kind of off the grid and not really tweeting or anything like that, and that's what I was doing. <laughs> so if you were wondering, that's that's where I was, and a lot of it was off the record and on background. So I wasn't, you know, doing the live live coverage or anything like that but uh yeah the quarterback collective was was like a pretty pretty incredible event and it seemed like the kids really enjoyed it too um because they were able to get a lot of insight from from a lot of different people and a lot of uh you know former players and and current coaches and robert mathis came in and gave him a little seminar and um it was really really cool
2: yeah, it's such a neat event, Jordan, and and I think, uh, you know, this has only been going on about five years, and if I remember correctly, the first one, uh, was was out here in, in Westlake Village, just very close to where the Rams ended up practicing. And uh, they basically did it at a high school field. And, and Sean McVay was there along with a, a lot of other coaches. And Jared Goff was there in, in the months before uh, the Rams drafted him. And the two of them actually, you know, their their cro- their paths crossed. And and uh, to see this thing evolve already in, in in five years to where now they're holding it in, you know, in an NFL stadium. And then they're pulling in all of these uh, fantastic coaches for this. You know, almost like a, a coach's a seminar or a coach's convention, uh, to and to to have you be able to sit in on that and and just listen to that. I mean, people. I, I think they they don't understand sometimes how we can be football nerds too and and how we love just to sit in and and listen and learn to that sort of thing. and, and I think uh, if, if there's one thing that i that I wish um, you know coaches or even players or front office people would understand is that you know when when you Jordan are allowed to do certain things like that it makes you a better writer. It makes you a better reporter. it makes you more informed. Oh I feel like uh, I have a,
1: a new uh, little layer in my brain. Like someone opened my head up and threw a bunch of a uh, new yeah. like brain, like cranial matter in there. <laughs> like, I feel like a different, like a totally different, you know, there's that you, you yeah. feel like you can see things that maybe you didn't see before it's, and you're, we're watching it, What you mentioned about Sean and, and Jared and uh, Mike Shanahan was at that first one and Mike McDaniel and Matt LaFleur. They're, they're all at that first one right before they became head coaches. Yeah. And, um, it, it, or excuse me, Kyle Shanahan. I said, Mike Shanahan, um, yeah. Yeah. uh, And so, you know, it it was so interesting because it was right before they became head coaches. And and it was very much you saw a lot of bright up and coming people in this incubator of sorts as well. And I'm, I, that's one of the things I'm also excited to, to write about is some of these names that I think people should be paying attention to here rising, rising through the ranks, not just on the offensive side of the ball, a couple of really, really interesting defensive guys that are coming up through the ranks as well. And, and you see the patterns before the patterns become established, right? And that's the cool thing about these things, Rich. And it's exactly what you said is they were establishing concepts and patterns um, in that sort of incubator mold and, and that incubator space when when they ran that first one. Um, and, and then it exploded across the league and now everybody wants a piece of it. And that's fac- mm-hmm. fascinating to me.
0: Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right.
2: Yeah. And I love what you said Jordan about the dynamic of, of the whole thing. It's funny you think about the NFL coaches and they're so secretive about certain things. They don't want you to see, they don't want you to hear, but yet in other ways, like you said, they use each other. They they push each other. They learn from each other. They evolve because of each other. And so there's this kind of interesting dynamic where they they want to play the secrecy game and oh, they don't want you to know what's going on, but it in a lot of ways and in this being a great example of it, they use each other as resources and 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 grow from each other. So it's it's a fascinating dynamic, Jordan, and I'm super interested and eager to uh, see what stories come out of that. So please if you're not already subscribed to the Athletic, uh, now is a, a great time to do that and you can uh, catch all of Jordan's coverage of the uh, QB collective and everything that came out of that. But also, Jordan, because the NFL offseason never really stops. There really they're, there's there's never really much of a pause. Welcome Jordan, to your first OTAs in Southern California. Uh, I know you're already getting a little bit of access over the last couple days, still doing those dreaded, awful video calls. Uh, (laughs) But uh, I know it won't be long before you actually get a chance to to see what's um, going on on the field. I know you've written a couple stories already. You wrote this week about Matthew Stafford and his adjustment coming into his first OTAs. You also wrote a uh, great column that that I found very cool. It's called uh, Rams' major and under the radar storylines. I'm watching through spring OTAs. So Jordan, you want to like what? What are you thinking now as, as we get into OTAs? Because you know, for people don't maybe don't understand, like OTAs are really important. Um, and and teams did not get these last year on the field, obviously because of the pandemic. But OTAs are a really really important, crucial time to. get learn these things, to learn your offense, learn your defense, learn your teammates, get out there on the field and develop rhythm and uh, chemistry and uh, you know maybe even look at position battles. By the time you get to training camp, you don't really want to have a ton of unanswered questions. You want to be able to uh, do a lot of your work during the summer. So Jordan, what are you looking at here as, as OTAs get going? And is there anything that you've learned so far that people might find uh, a little bit interesting?
1: First of all, Party on, Rich. Like football is back again, my friend.
2: Yes.
1: (laughs) Um, So I really am um, so interested in the the very small nips and tucks that are happening right now that will turn into – they hope large scale shifts in not just they're hoping points scored on the offensive side, but also sort of staving off some of the natural regression that happens year over year on the defensive side. And it's all because they have such a complete roster. um, The nips and tucks that they do now and the little tweaks and, and small shifts in, in um, sometimes schematic shifts, sometimes personnel shifts, they will be, they will have a a sort of ripple effect in a sense and gradually become more and more important and larger and more noticeable as the off season continues. And part of this is Matthew Stafford, of course, huge part of it. And what kinds of things they're going to do in, in, in terms of what Sean keeps saying as the collaboration of what he already does while also having to evolve what he already does because as we know, there are now some defenses out there that have kind of gotten a little wiser to to that system, and then how you can maximize the quarterback that you have and the skill sets that he has and that is he is comfortable with. And so we talked to Matthew Stafford this week, and you know I asked him about different types of of collaborative work that you do um, when you are working with with a new head coach and a uh, especially a a coach who has made it very clear that this time you know as as the collaboration and especially the communication deteriorated quite a bit uh, yeah. last last season this has to be different this has to be a complete two-way conversation and that cannot, Um, stop or shift at any time, they have to just consistently be working um, with each other and not only to build in some of these concepts, but also to continue to troubleshoot and continue to bounce ideas off of each other. And so obviously, the, the thing that everybody will be watching is, You know, the explosive air yards game. And we have talked, I think, at least once, maybe even twice on this podcast about what happened to them last year. Um, But at the same time, um, there's so many ways that they can make these explosive air yards happen. Like it's not just about throwing the ball 60 yards downfield on a drop back. Like there are so many things that are going to happen in terms of how much play action are they really going to do you know Matthew Stafford is really great in the play action but he can also be a great dropback passer as well um, how sure. much are, are they going to continue to do some of these motion concepts and these sweeps and these gadget plays because they need to open up things in the middle for Cooper Cup and for Robert Woods who um, so far have been the you know the number one and two guys that Matthew Stafford has worked with in the couple of days that they've been allowed to do so during this phase of OTAs and developing that rhythm and timing and especially those two who are the, you know, the trademark Sean McVay receivers. Um, in terms of how important it is for the timing between quarterback and receiver to be correct, how the the dropbacks and each step and each hitch is supposed to coordinate and correlate directly with the steps the receiver is taking and how he breaks on his route, how his eyes come back to the ball. All of these things are so complicated. And And really, because these guys are so good, They're probably going to make it look easy when we're out there, when they're throwing and catching against air. But as we start to build toward offense versus defense, establishing that kind of timing um, in order to not just get these explosive air yards plays happening and to become more explosive on offense, but to build denser and more complementary layers throughout the entire offense, um, that has got to be the number one thing for everybody to to track this, this OTAs.
2: Yeah, and, and you mentioned uh, the when it, when they get to offense versus defense, and I, we don't want to go through the whole thing, but there are different phases of OTAs to where you can you know have certain uh, number of people on the field or uh, you know football football type drills and that sort of thing. So it kind of escalates as as time uh, uh, goes on. Here it gets progressively more 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 like football, I guess you would say, um, to where you are seeing some of those matchups. And Jordan, one of the things that you wrote. Uh, in, your, in your story that went live yesterday about your, your under, under the radar and, and major storylines is that offensive line. And as you have been reporting for, for a while <laughs> now, um, the li- I, I love the fact that we do this. And I think we all do this because the, the reporters like Jordan have not been um, allowed access uh, to to watch these things, so the I, creep have, the <laughs> I creep on the photos. I creep on the photos, and we all do this. We all look for these little hints, like of of what's going on. And uh, Jordan, as you have reported for for some time, uh, the line looks like we expected. You know, from from uh, Austin Corbett uh, moving over to center to replace Austin Blythe, and then uh, Bobby Evans. Uh, kind of slotting in at, at right guard. So how about the importance there? I mean, when when it does come time for them to line up against Aaron Donald and Sebastian Joseph Day and Sean Robinson and some of these guys, I mean, this is going to be, to me, this is a really, really important time for that offensive line because, again, you don't want to get to training camp and then all of a sudden be like, Hmm, not real sure about this. Maybe mm-hmm. we should take another look at it. Like now is really the time to to build that chemistry, especially with a new O line coach and Kevin Carberry. So, what are you uh, what are you going to be looking at there? And is there anything that that Matthew Stafford said or that you've heard so far that that gives you any hints?
1: Yeah, you know, I think that uh, Matthew was kind of trying to maybe protect some of the integrity of their of their practices knowing that we don't have access yet. So and that's course, everyone does that. I'm not like picking on him or anything. I just think that right. so he he mentioned that there's some a, a bunch of different guys rota- rotating up through the offensive line. Um, now again, you can't be doing that with center. You've got to establish your guy, especially because Matthew will be working with him for the first time and Austin Corbett will be moving to center for the first time in a Rams Jersey. Um, and so that's, that is something where, you know, sometimes you, you hear from offensive line coaches and from different people across the league quarterbacks and and linemen that it's just like 10,000 snaps. Before you start to feel that that rhythm with the center. Now, I'm not saying it's going to take that long because and I for their sake, I hope it doesn't because that's a lot of that's a lot of snaps. But um, really getting that rhythm and establishing that rapport. But not only that, it's like they have to um, the quarterback in the center have to establish their own language they have to establish their own way of communicating the plays that already are in a new language uh, to Matthew Stafford. And and they have to find a way to almost do it in shorthand. Like writers, uh, old newspaper writers uh, used to, uh, and maybe some still do, um, do this thing where they'd get those notebooks out. And when they were transcribing interviews, because there were not recorders or, or anything like that, they'd have to write everything down word for word. Well, what they used to do is create their own shorthand language where they knew what it meant, but nobody else knew what it meant. And th- in that way could remember and recall what the direct and exact quotes were because they were writing different abbreviations and different symbols and things like that down in their notebook. And they could remember what everything meant. Well, right. it's similar to what the the quarterback and the center have to do and then communicate that along the rest of the offensive line. And this is when you're diagnosing coverages, calling checks, um, understanding where people are at all times while you are not able to really look from your left to your right because you are uh, worried about giving something away if you do so. So you're kind of like staring down a tunnel and you go by feel not only about the guy behind you, um, but also the feel of the guys on either side of you, the feel of where the entire front seven is lined up, and then the quarterback's communicating front seven and back half. And it's just such a complicated process that it's that is the most crucial thing. Now, here's the thing. I'm not going to judge this offensive line until I see them play against other people, even um, playing against Aaron Donald and Sebastian Joseph Day and Bobby Brown and all these guys and Ayan and Leonard Floyd, like even playing against them in camp until I see them and and I think that because things are so open, I would imagine they hope that they have a joint practice with another team. Um, mm-hmm. Now that things are opened up, I'm not. It, it, it's not fair for us to really, truly, deeply evaluate what they are and what they're going to be until you see them go against like clack pads against actual opponents because it's just, that's just the way training camp is now. It, you just don't contact. It's just really, really light contact. Even when you're in quote unquote full pads and full contact days, it is still not supposed to be the exact thing. So, But at the same time, there are little tells and little cues, body language, how Matthew Stafford is commanding the huddle, how guys are acting around him, how the ball is coming out of his hand, how, again, the timing. You can really watch some of those things up close and see how the timing of the plays are. And a lot of that cycles and funnels all the way back down into the center and what the center is seeing and how – I think we talked about this before on a previous podcast, Rich. It's like – you know the the hand at the end of your arm it, it really is that's the quarterback in the center and they have to work in unison and they have to again establish their own language so when it comes to the offensive line I don't worry about Whitworth I don't really worry about Havenstein I don't really worry you know I think Bobby Evans is going to be fine Austin Corbett's a, a really good offensive lineman but we have to un, we have to understand the complexity of what it is that he's about to be undertaking
2: yeah for sure and we, we've we've covered that grant I, I couldn't agree with you more I mean we've covered the grand about how that is a risk. What they did, it uh, doesn't mean mm-hmm. risk doesn't mean a mistake. Risk just sure. means you're, just, you're taking a, a risk. that's a good point.
1: You know what, Rich? That's a great way to put it. Actually, I'm going to save yeah. that. I'm going to write that okay, down. Okay, good. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, I should get that on a T-shirt, right? Um, but I mean, a lot of people take risks that work out, and then they're calculated risks, and they they're fine. And but that's that's what the Rams are kind of doing here in in making that shift. But yeah, the the fact that they have OTAs to work this out, I think is is crucial. I mean, I can't imagine. Uh, them doing this last year, you know, bringing in a new center, a new quarterback, uh, you know, all this and, and not having OTAs to get out there on the field and, and work it out. I mean, the Rams were, uh, relatively speaking, you know, lucky last year that, that they had so many of those pieces already in place. Although it does illustrate on the other side of the ball, again, how impressive it was what Brandon Staley did with that defense last year when they were not able to get on the field at all until I think it was early August. Uh, and uh, we're still able to put together uh, the best defense in the NFL uh, with, with very little uh, amount of time to prepare for that. So all, all that to say, very important uh, offseason work here for this offense. And uh, Jordan, it should be mentioned also, not, I feel like I'm just reading off of your story here, but, but I should mention also you had, you had an interesting or important note here that uh, Matthew Stafford thumb which was uh, a very uh, interesting. You, you broke that news. Talk about a uh, uh, picture, picture stalking. Uh, you, you broke that news uh, a couple, a few weeks ago about uh, the procedure that he had on his thumb, but it looks like everything's good there.
1: Yeah, and thank you for bringing up how extremely creepy. I. The extremely creepy manner and when I in which I went about that uh, by well, uh, by lurking okay. on by lurking on Kelly Stafford's Instagram stories. Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah. Well, yeah, I have to say you also called uh, me out as being an old newspaper writer. So you know, back when oh, do you do we,
1: shorthand, Rich? Are oh, you a yeah. shorthand? Oh my yeah. god! Oh. Yeah, I mean,
2: back you know, back when we used to write on the papyrus, and uh, <laughs> you know, then, then we would take your pigeons let, to fire. Yeah, yeah, we'd we let it dry out, and then and then put it on the cave wall and then people would walk by and, and get their news. Um, but uh, but yeah, anyway, no, I, I don't. Uh, it, it's, a, it's a good tool. It, it is. I still use that from time to time. But yeah, uh, Matthew Stafford, uh, uh, thumbs up. Thumbs up, right?
1: Yeah, he's good to go. Uh, actually, Robert Woods, we talked to today, today's Tuesday when we're recording. We spoke with him and he mentioned that... Um, the thumb is, is good. And they all knew that, you know, they were aware that he had that off season procedure and, um, he, he kind of put it, he's like, yeah, you know, the thumb, the thumb was on ice for, for a minute, but, uh, but it's fine. And said the ball's coming out great and, and all that. And Matthew said he's, he's feeling really good and there was no limitations or anything like that. Now, I, I think, I know at the, at the time of it, you look at it and you think surgery and you're like, oh God, it's already starting, you know, but when, but it really was, Um, It will, in my mind, it will be better in the long run that he got this done um, just because he had to play through that thumb injury, uh, just ligament damage in that thumb um, last season. And of course, they want, they want them as, as, you know, they want Matthew as healthy as possible as they prepare to make a run at SoFi Stadium in February. So going to be really interesting. Rich, I'm interested to know what your biggest question heading into OTAs is. Besides yeah, what the it, uniform combination will be,
2: well, yeah, of course there's that, and I am waited with maybe It's May 25th as we as we record this. I mean, what are we waiting for? Oh, maybe it will be the practice. What if it's the practice day, Jordan?
1: Oh yeah. What By if, the way, the Rams yeah. are opening a practice on on yeah. uh, what is it, June 10th? I just tw- 10th. I yeah. just tweeted it, so I should know this top of my head. But
2: what, what if what if that's it? And I don't have any. I literally just thought of this. What what if they wear the new uniforms when they when they come out onto the field? You better show
1: up, Rich. I'll tell you. Yeah, what. I think I'm gonna have to. Be yeah. Here.
2: <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, what am I? What am I most interested? In? You know, there's a lot. Of, you, again, you, your great column where you, when you talked about under the radar um, kind of things. I mean, I think we've hit on kind of a lot of the big ones. But one thing that y- that you mentioned um, when you were talking about some of the players who might be under the radar is kind of how that defensive front is going to look. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think that's going to be really important. We all know that Aaron Donald is basically a one-man wrecking crew, and he can take on three blockers at the same time. But um, how how they're going to respond to Michael Brockers not being there is something that, that's going to be really interesting to me because I know people look at Michael Brockers' numbers, and they kind of thought, well, you know, the, the, the production hasn't really been there. He's not a high sack guy. You know, he doesn't make a whole lot of flashy plays. But Michael Brockers is really important to that, to that defense. And I think they have the pieces there. Uh, but you, you mentioned, uh, Jordan in your, in your story, uh, Sebastian Joseph day. Mm-hmm. And, and this is a guy who, uh, over the last couple of years, I, I think has, um, how would I put it? Maybe, maybe outplayed his role in terms of the, the role that he was giving the expectations that were placed on him. I think he, I think he outperformed them. In terms of maybe being that third guy behind Aaron Donald, behind Michael Brockers. Well, now I think that's going to change a little bit. Uh, the, I think the expectations go up. I think what they need from him is, is higher, is more important. And how he will respond to that. And, and can he rise to that level? Because I think he's going to have to. Uh, and then, you know a couple other of those guys too. you you mentioned A Robinson in that role and then just the depth behind them because you you always need depth. You can't just rely on the on the same three guys. but uh, maybe some of these rookies can Bobby Brown, Ernest Brown, can they step into roles? Can Greg Gaines, who's you know kind of uh, been on and off? He hasn't really you know fulfilled that that expectation that people had for him at the start. Um, and then some of the younger guys who could rotate in there. So I just think, you know, Jordan, I know, I'm know i not telling you this because you know it as well as anybody, but uh, being able to pair that that success with the defensive front with what the Rams have in the secondary, you know, such a, such a huge part of their success last year and over the last uh, couple of years. So, so just being able to maintain that and, and how that looks uh, without Michael Brockers. So that, that's one thing that I'll be keeping a, a close eye on. But uh, how about you, other than the things that we've already uh, kind of gone over here.
1: Yeah, I'll say I really do like uh, your points on that because and agree with it because that's going to be that's just going to be so important. And you know, Aaron Donald just turned thirty, and let's all hope that we can watch him play till he's fifty, much like uh, Mister Whitworth on the other yeah. side of the ball. But at the same time, you need to you need to have a plan for freeing him up. Um, every single year as much as you can and so I think that that interior defensive line is going to be so interesting to watch and I also would say you know from what I'm hearing just talking to people um off and on over the last couple of weeks that we really need to be keeping an eye on these undrafted free agents like I think everybody's really excited about Bobby Brown and Ernest Brown um, because they I think, um, I think they – to me, hearing about some of the the ways that they are going to be utilized, um, they seem to be uh, kind of steals per where they were drafted based specifically on their athletic traits and then also where they scheme in and fit in because we know you're not always – if you're drafting in the third, fourth, fifth, sixth round, you're not drafting a quote-unquote complete player for a complete role. You're drafting traits to – fit in complement, and supplement certain things that you don't have. So I think that those guys I think are going to be really, really fun to watch develop and grow. Um, but I really, really want to keep an eye on these undrafted free agent interior defensive linemen, particularly Eric Banks, who, um, was just so quietly under the radar and just worked so hard last year. Um, and, and coach Henderson speaks so glowingly of, of him. And, and then, so I'm, I'm, I think that's a great point. and then I'm just I always love seeing undrafted free agents in general. and and I don't think we can go through this podcast, Rich. Um, and you know what I'm gonna say. I don't think we can get through this podcast without speaking about special teams. I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say, you know, I know that at this point yeah. our eyes start twitching whenever we bring it up, <laughs> but I think we I think we have to to touch on this. Now I, my last count, correct me if I'm wrong. my last count was what three punters. Uh, three punters, two long snappers and two kickers. Well, there is no punter competition, which, you know, Johnny Hecker is one of the greatest punters this league has ever seen. That's fine. And may, you know, there were some things that went on last year that I think overall as a unit, they want to get fixed. So they're adamant that there's no punter competition, but I did think it was interesting. Um, I talked to John, I interviewed John Bonamigo once last year when I was wondering why the hell Cooper cup was back on punt return. <laughs> yes. And, There was one tidbit that he mentioned that that I stored away for future knowledge of different applicable scenarios, and that was that when you're punting in camp, let's let's say, for example, just for hypothetical consideration, let's say you are trying to figure out who your next punt returner will be, and you are working through a bunch of different guys, and because you cannot wear out your punter's leg, you're using the jugs machine. Well, the jugs machine can't do things like different spin, different angles. It can't do rugby punts. It can't do directional punts. It basically puts the ball up in the air and brings it down. And it does it the same time every single time. So one interesting theory, and you're never going to get any of these guys to really tell you, (laughs) but this is my educated assumption of what's going on. You know, not only do you need like maybe some COVID precaution guys and that's fine, but also you need a couple legs in there to rep out your punt returners because you need a punt returner and you need a couple guys who can do kickoffs to rep out your kickoffs because you need a kickoff returner and you need, you're going to have a really different looking coverage unit featuring a lot of rookies and you need kickoff guys who can run your coverage units and, 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 be able to get things rolling for those coverage units and you need them to also maybe be able to punt. Uh, so, and, and also you might need a left footed guy <laughs> and Corey Baracquez is. And sure. so, you know, that's just my, that's my educated assumption about what's what's sort of happening here. Um, cause you need a lot of reps. So that means you need more legs. And then, you know, obviously they, they kept up more. Everyone across the league kept multiple specialists because of the um, because of COVID nineteen. So right. that that in itself is is one of the reasons. But I I think that's so interesting. And where I'm I'm looking at return competition, and I think it's going to be really fascinating because you got to get these guys enough reps. But a lot of these guys, you also have to try to work into the offense. And so I really like um, the idea of guys like Jake Funk. Um, You know, seventh rounder competing in this role. Simba Webster will obviously compete here. Raymond Calais uh, will compete here. But the two guys that I really want to look at are these undrafted free agent receivers, Jeremiah Heidel and Landon Akers. And those guys are return specialists. And they won't make this team as receivers. And I'm not saying that to be mean. It's just a crowded, a crowded room. So sure. they they are going to have to make an impact um, specifically in the return game. And I can see the Rams holding an extra roster spot open for specifically a returner, considering how Terrible and inconsistent they were across the board on special teams last year.
2: Yeah, yeah, L- love the point about the extra punter, Jordan, and I think there's, I think that holds a lot of water. It's not unlike the way that uh, teams bring in a third or a fourth or sometimes even a fifth quarterback. Uh, because you're not going to have one quarterback out there throwing the ball to all these people. So why would you have only one punter uh, back there when when you have so many guys who need work or a competition or things like that? So uh, I think that makes a ton of sense. So uh, that'll be, you know, something to watch. And yeah, look, I think, you know, just to uh, close out here, I I think all of those special teams battles are going to be interesting. And I think it will uh, make the overall roster competition A lot more competitive. I remember a couple of years, Jordan, where, you know, like 20. Uh, 2018, 2019, where, where you, you know, I, I used to like to sit down at the start of training camp and kind of, you know, dope out the roster. Like, who do I think is going to make it? And you got to the point where it was like, well, you pretty much know who's going to make it. There might be like two spots open, you know, and, and that's no fun. Like it's, it's more fun to kind of have these, these jobs open where you're like, yeah, if somebody comes in and, and just really kills it on special teams, something like that, they can, they can literally come in and, and earn a job or take a job away from somebody. So from a, You know, from a from a media standpoint, or for if you're you know a nerd who likes to follow the 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 roster comings and goings, like like I do, um, I think it'll be great. You know, there's going to be some competition here. There's going to be some real meaningful uh, uh, battles for some of these positions, like you said, Jordan, with some of these undrafted free agents and and people like that. So I, I think it'll be one of the more interesting. Uh, off-season slash training camps that we've had since the Rams have been back uh, from, from St. Louis.
1: Yeah. And just for everybody's knowledge, um, because these this time is so confusing in terms of what's allowed and what's not allowed. So um, for everyone's knowledge, um, the next two weeks, the third day of OTAs every week is when media will have access. So that would be this Thursday. So Rich and I are going to record another episode next week because there will be a lot to talk about after seeing these guys for the first time, watching Matthew throw live for the first time. Um, seeing how these guys look, whether they pass the eye test, um, what these rookies really look like in person, um, you know, how guys have come back and keep in mind, these are voluntary as well. So, um, you know, I I would assume guys are, I'll be in and out depending on their, their specific training schedules. Um, But then there's a mandatory mini camp in mid June, and that will be completely open to media to, for us to do um, observations and and different things. So keep an eye out for, for those things Um, with all of these camps opening, up and everybody starting to get access back, and all of these things happening across the league. You are going to want to be following our writers, especially as we do some of these matchup pieces and things like that with writers from from opposing teams and through the conference. And I'm really excited about my second year covering this team. I feel like I, you know, I, I'm just I cannot even explain. I should be able to explain because I'm a damn writer, but I can't explain <laughs> how excited I am um, to bring you guys a, some some coverage and and do the best I can to to bring you what going on with with your Los Angeles Rams
2: well let, let me let me try for you real quick because the thing that I can tell everybody about Jordan is that the that her work over the past year has been extraordinary but but I feel pretty confident in saying that that we're the the best is yet to come because what you're going to see over the next year and boy do I hope this is true is we're we're going to see can things continue to open up we're you know we're hopefully going to stay healthy and these protocols will relax and, and you're really going to be able to see Jordan do what she does best, which is go out there and get those stories and not have to rely on video calls and, and all these things. Uh, and yeah, stalking <laughs> photos. So I, you know, I, I feel your excitement, Jordan, and, uh, and, and I know why. It's because you're, you're going to be able to do the job uh, the way that you want to do it. And, and that's nothing but good news uh, for our subscribers out there.
1: Well, I can't wait uh, to continue these podcasts as well with you, Rich, through the season. You guys, we love our reviews that you leave for us on iTunes. Um, they really brighten our days, and we love when you leave us those special five-star ratings. Um, we cannot get enough of hearing from you guys, getting feedback from you on our podcast. Don't forget, you can always subscribe through the 11 Personnel podcast to The Athletic, and you can see receive my favorite thing in the world, Rich. What is it?
2: You get a discount they all the time. Discount
1: all the time, not just for 6 months, you get a discount all the time. Pretty stoked about that. As always, if you are 11 personnel uh followers, you know that I uh, am constantly stoked about a good discount. Guys, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to follow me on Twitter at Jordan Rodrigue. Follow Rich Hammond on Twitter at Rich Hammond, although he takes a he he's been very smart and took a little bit of a hiatus, but when those uniforms start coming back, guys, he oh, yeah. is he is back online. So really, really appreciate you guys. And uh, you know what? We're gonna catch you next week. Thanks for listening.